Blog Talk Radio. I've had tremendous issues with my connection uh, and my entire system today. So I hope and pray that we will be able to at least get through these next few minutes together. I'd like to greet you with the grace and the peace of God. This is our Mother's Day weekend, and I am just delighted to say that in reading our book, Aging with Grace, the chapter just coincides with Mother's Day. It is entitled, Matriarchs of the Exile, and it's based on Jeremiah 29. This chapter is written from Sharon Betters, and she begins. Forty-year-old Mary Winslow arrived in America in 1814 with her ten children. She dreamed of building a new life with her husband, who would soon join them from Scotland. Instead, shortly after her baby daughter died, Mary learned her husband had also died. Depression and despondency overwhelmed Mary for many months. In time, the Lord delivered her and turned her darkness into light. Rather than resenting that dark place, She later said, I think I have learned more of my dreadfully wicked heart and the preciousness of Jesus during this trial than I ever learned before. Through her sorrow, she experienced treasures in the darkness that enabled her to offer encouragement to others in dark places. Mary was 40 years old when she experienced these sorrows. When I was 45, Chuck and I looked forward to enjoying the last two years of our son Mark's high school career and preparing him for adulthood. But within a six-month span, our son Chuck graduated from college. Our son Dan started college. Our daughter Heidi married, and Mark was in a fatal car accident. Suddenly, Chuck and I were alone. The most mundane task created emotional havoc, as each one reminded me, Mark is gone. I could not bear the thought of growing old with such grief and despair. I longed for heaven. In my search for hope, I stumbled upon Heaven Opened, the correspondence of Mary Winslow compiled by her son, Octavius. Mary died around the age of 80. One way she flourished throughout her life was through writing letters that challenged recipients 
to fall more in love with Jesus and to implicitly trust him. To a newly bereaved widow, she asked, how are you traveling heavenward? Penetrating question burned into my soul and confronted me with a choice. Would I stay a prisoner to my grief or trust God to use my grief as a path to deeper understanding of his love and purpose for my life? Walking the path God marked out for me toward heaven captured my imagination. I didn't fully understand the theological basis for Mary's question until I studied the lives of the people listed in Hebrews 11 who walked by faith, seeing themselves as exiles on this earth who were traveling to a better place. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, He went to live in the land of promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. God comforted me when I read that these saints died without experiencing the fulfillment of all God's promises, but they trusted him to keep every promise in his time. Hebrews goes on to say, these all died in faith. Having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, where people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. My grief caused me to admit my status as an exile, somehow acknowledging I live in a sin-broken world helped make sense out of my sorrow. Francis Schaeffer's classic question gave me more clarity. That question is, how should we then live? Enter the matriarchs of Jeremiah, who faced similar questions about their destiny and destination when the Israelites were exiled to Babylon. Dig into their story, and you'll see a startling picture of the two paths highlighted in Psalm 92. Because the Israelites repeatedly chose the path of the stupid man, noted in Psalm 92, verse 6, God exiled them just as he warned he would do. Desperate to go back home, they turned to false prophets who promised deliverance within two years. God instructed Jeremiah to write a letter to the Israelites in exile. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. 
but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. I have sent you into exile is jarring. But look closely. God speaks to his people as Yahweh, the one who entered into a personal covenant relationship with them. He added the term hosts, referring to his sovereignty over all heavenly and earthly powers. It was in this context of reminding them of his steadfast love and sovereignty that God assured them their captivity was his doing. To think biblically, we must think big. We are in exile because our first parents brought sin and death into the world. But God sent his son into exile to redeem us. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. And Peter preached that Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. When like him, we say, not as I will, but as you will, our exile will become a redemptive story. So God gives specific instructions for exile living. The people were to settle down and flourish. They were to fulfill their destiny and glorify God in a foreign land. They likely thought temporary housing would be sufficient until God exploded that idea. It would be 70 years. Imagine the shock and disappointment as these exiled Israelites digested Jeremiah's words. Many of them would die before God's deliverance. When I read this, my thoughts immediately went to women my age, the matriarchs of Jeremiah 29. Anyone easily imagine how these elderly, elderly women felt when they learned God's promise of earthly deliverance was not for them. They would not see their beloved homeland again. Change is hard at any age, but the older we are, the harder change becomes, especially when forced to let go of the familiar. And then God comforts them. He gives them hope. He points them and us to Jesus. As you hear these verses I'm about to read, note God's sovereign initiative, the things he will do. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And so I am going to stop our reading today. Uh, uh, Sharon offers from uh, this passage of Scripture three options that the Lord gives us, and we will 
unpack those next time. But until then, I want to wish each and everyone listening a ray of hope. I want to uh, send you a blessing, and I want to just say thank you for being a part of not only grace and peace, but listening to the reading of this in this remarkable, I just don't even have the word, book by Sharon W. Betters and Susan Hunt entitled Aging with Grace. And so, folks, until next time, as I said earlier, take care. Happy Mother's Day, everyone.